Praise the Lord. Good to see you all. Um, turn, me, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 6. We're going to be reading verse 12. Since there's only one verse, perhaps we can all read together in one voice. Hebrews 6, 12. Together. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Amen. God is faithful. Amen. Turn to person next to you and say, God is faithful. Good to see you all. Thank you so much for joining us if you are joining us through streaming today. Uh, it's already December 2020 is almost over. <laughs> Time flies by too fast, I think. Uh, especially this year has been tumultuous as we are facing much issues in our nation. In our world. However, in spite of all happenings or things, uh, it is my prayer that we will learn to become man and woman of God, to be more like Christ as we continue to seek God. Amen. And I want to remind you, 2020 is not over yet. We have about 25 days to go, and I believe we must finish strong. Because if we start something, we must make sure to finish something. One of my high school friends, at the end of high school, he got a, one of the most beautiful cars of all time, Mustang 69, from his grandfather as a graduation gift. And I remember looking at that old beat-up car, but I was so envious of that. Though the car was beat up and needed a lot of work for retuning, he was very excited to start a project of restoring and modifying. And when I asked about the car at the end of my college year, he said to me that he was still working on it. And after several years passed by, and when I asked him about the car, he was still in his father's garage. And several years passed by again, and at the end, he was never finished and ended up being sold to his father's friend who was in business of restoring classic cars. He was a classic case of unfinished project in life. And I think many of us in the beginning of the year, we make some resolutions, and we plan to do some projects. Yet at the end of the year, how many unfinished resolutions or projects that we have? What about our faith, our relationship with God? What about our relationship with other people? See, finishing is as important as starting. What good is it if we start something good but never finish it? That's why William Cleberson, the former president of Moody Bible Institute, said this, It is important to start right, but it is imperative to end well. Perhaps it's easy to start something, but hard to finish well. And unfortunately, many of us, we struggle with finishing well. And we see interesting example in the Bible about this as well. 
And we will take a look briefly at a man who had an awesome start but had lousy finish. You know who that man is? We have a lot in the Bible, but I will zoom in to life of King Solomon. Many of us know the story of Solomon. He had a great start. He was the wisest person in the face of the earth, except Christ, obviously. And after King David passed, Solomon, being a new king, was feeling overwhelmed by the task and the amount of people who would be looking to him for all things. So Solomon made this request of God. Listen to his prayers in 1 Kings chapter 3. Let me read it for you. He prayed this prayer in the beginning of his administration. O Lord my God, now you have made king instead of made me king instead of my father David, but I'm like a child who doesn't know his way around. And here I am among your own chosen people, a nation so great that they are too numerous to count. Give me an understanding mind so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong, for who by himself is able to govern this nation of yours? What a prayer. Humbly, he always coming before the Lord and asking God, this is your nation, God. You're the only one who has ultimate control over the world, including the nation of Israel. I'm just a king. I need your wisdom. And we know how God granted that prayer. Listen to what God responded in 1 Kings 3, verses 10 through 13. He said this, Since you asked for this, and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administrating justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart, so that there will never be anyone like you. That is why we know he was the wisest person in the history. Nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both riches and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. What a powerful, powerful words, right? And blessing. Solomon asked for wisdom, and God grants him wisdom. And he grants more riches and honor. And the wisdom of God during his reign, Solomon did great things for God. But biggest accomplishment was, you know what that was? He built the temple of God, right? During the Solomon's fourth year as king, the construction of the temple of the Lord began. And what a project it was. The temple was about 90 feet long, 30 feet wide, 45 feet high. Tens of thousands of people were involved in this seven-year project. He used about 4,000 tons of pure gold and plus 40 tons of silver. And the value of the, this gold and silver would be valued at about $60 billion. Not counting bronze, iron, precious stone, cedarwood, and labor. Of course, we're not counting that yet. Just compare to today. Compare to today. The construction cost of Solomon's temple would have been around $100 billion, according to some scholars. 
and there's a lot of money. Just compared to this, to the, today, the Freedom Tower in New York at the World Trade Center was about $2 billion. So you can kind of tell he spent a lot of money. That means God gave him a lot of wealth to do what he wanted to do for the, building the temple. Also, Solomon wrote many books. And especially there are three books that he wrote in the Bible. We know the Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. As a matter of fact, I think a couple of years ago, in our Bible study, we went through the book of Ecclesiastes. And that was very powerful as well. And I think you all agree with me that the Solomon had a great start. But interestingly, he had lousy finish. He looked like a sure winner in the beginning. And it is this great start that makes it so hard to understand his lousy finish as he shipwrecked his faith and turned away from God. I don't know what happened. One point, the Lord was very angry with Solomon. He says, For his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. He had warned Solomon specifically about worshiping other gods, but Solomon did not listen to the Lord's command, the Bible says. So now the Lord said to him, 1 Kings 11, verse 19 through 11, 9 through 11, Since you have not kept my covenant and have disobeyed my laws, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your servants. And then scripture goes on to say that if it wasn't for David, his father, and his father's loyalty to God, God would have ripped the kingdom out of Solomon's hand during his lifetime. But the, for the sake of King David, the promise and covenant that God made with David, and because of David was a very loyal man, God would not do it in Solomon's lifetime, but rather in Solomon's son's time. And we know later on, the Israel divided into two kingdoms. If you are parents, I think there's something that we need to think about. Your faithfulness will surely have an impact on your children even after you are gone. And also, your faithfulness will impact even the children who turned away from God. So how much more than as a parent that we must be faithful? and loyal to our Lord Jesus Christ, then somehow my children, your children, our children will be blessed. Amen. And I believe I am a product of my father, my mom, mothers, my grandparents, their faithfulness, and their loyalty to the Lord. So take heart as you are raising your children. Pray for them. Raise them in godly way. And be faithful to the Lord. And God will surely have mercy upon your children as well. Amen. But going back to Solomon, what was Solomon's problem? Well, surely he has forgotten God's promise. And he has forgotten God's power. And he has forgotten God's plan for 
Israel and for his life. He forgot God's promise. He kind of for, for uh, he has forsaken God's promise. And he did not depend on God's power anymore, maybe because of the wealth that he had and because of all kinds of things that, that he was enjoying too much in the flesh, that he has forgotten God's power, that he's starting to depending upon his own power. As a matter of fact, one of the things that we know about in, in terms of the, rec, the military records, he's starting to make chariots. By the way, the God forbid the Israelites to have a built-in military power. Why? That was a sign of faith. You trust me, I will take care of you. But one of the things that Solomon did was he started to build an army, just like the neighboring countries like Egypt. As a matter of fact, we know the chariots that he was making was import from Egypt. Interesting, isn't it? He replaced God's plan with his own plan. After the building of the temple, he was very successful. What did he do? He started to building his own palace, even more luxurious and, and more grand scale, to the point where a lot of neighboring countries, even the far, far countries, they are heard about the fame and wealth of Solomon. They all come and came and visit him. You see, that was the problem of Solomon. But what about the people of God today? Many Christians, I believe, they start well in a way, but many of them, they don't finish well. I'm going to put God in my first priority. I love God so much, I'm going to give my life to God, everything, everything. I'm going to be faithful in serving the church with all I am, with everything that I've got. I'm going to wait for God's promises to be fulfilled no matter what I face and no matter all the obstacles and problems that I might face in the future. Great prayers, great commitments. We all should make like that, amen? But when things are hard and difficult, when things are going the way that you did not expect or you did not want it to go, what happens to us? And also, since we are so well-trained in a, such a culture that promises instant gratification and expects instant result, we give up so easily when it doesn't happen in the short terms. We want everything to be answered right away. We want to some kind of result right away. I mean, we see in the politics all the time, right? We want right away some kind of things to happen. We want in our own lives, we want things, everything. How do I know? Like we all watch movies, I'm sure, especially because of the pandemic. Or I don't, It's not pandemic, it's epidemic now. Again, I just want to be clear. Uh, because of the COVID situation, I think, I think people are watching Netflix a lot and their stock has been increased tremendously. And I know that people are watching movies, but... What about the movies? Is it a two-hour movie, three-hour movie, or even an hour and a half? In that duration, everything gets resolved. And I remember one of the best movies of all time, Lord of the Ring. <laughs> not, the Star Wars, not Star Wars, but Lord of the Ring. Um, I remember, I mean, watching with some of the young youth people. 
And some of them actually fell asleep in the middle of it. And I couldn't believe it. By the way, we were watching extended version of The Return of the King. So it was a four hours movie. We were watching during the Thanksgiving. So they came over to my house in the Thanksgiving. And it was, it was like Christmas, Christmas Day. And then we were watching all day, just Lord of the Rings. That was one of our tradition. I don't do it anymore because I have young kids. They don't understand. They don't like Lord of the Ring at this moment. But uh, I used to do that, even with my wife. But some of them, they couldn't even stay awake. And I couldn't believe it. It's only four hours. <laughs> but you say that's a long movie. But if you go back to 1960s, man, the movies were long. I'm not sure you ever watched the movie called Ben-Hur. One of the classic movies. It was a six hours long. There are intermission in the between. That, you should watch that, by the way. That's one of the best movies. By Charlton Heston, not the new Ben-Hur, the 2015 or 16, but I'm, not, I'm talking about the old classic one. This it is, it is tremendous, awesome. But anyway, we want quick gratification. We want everything to be resolved within a certain period of time, in short period of time. And somehow we are so trained in that kind of culture that we actually try to understand faith with that kind of pattern. For instance, we want quick answer prayers. Don't get me wrong, I'm one of them. If it does not happen fast, we conclude that there is no power in faith and prayer. We even question God. God, I have been asking for this for a long time, and how come? God, I have been asking for a good spouse, but how come I'm still single? And I'm getting older every day. Lord God, I've been praying for the salvation for my family members, but it's been 40 years we have been praying and waiting for such things, but what is going on? Lord God, we've been praying for this church for for the last 20 years that the God you will you will use our church for the glory of God, but why is it that we are facing so much hardship and difficulties? We ask questions and we can't wait. But remember this, my brothers and sisters. Faith is not measured by how fast your prayers were answered, but it is measured by if prayers are actually answered or not. And also, when God answers prayer, He doesn't answer prayers in the way that we want to receive the answer. He always gives us the best rather than second best. Amen. I remember when my second child was born. I have two daughters. My first daughter was very upset. Uh, her name is Lydia, and Lydia was very upset because she wanted a brother. And I remember finding out the, the gender uh, sex of our child, the second one, Olivia. Um, Lydia was very upset, and she was crying. And I had to talk to her. Literally, she was crying. And then, but she was not just upset at, you know, that she will have a sister, but she was very upset at how come God does not answer my prayer? That was a theologically charged question, and I, I really loved it. And she actually asked this, how come he doesn't answer my prayer? I asked for a brother, but he gave, he gave me a sister. 
And I told her, perhaps he will give you a brother. I'm just kidding. Uh, later. But perhaps, and this was my answer. I really don't know at this time, but this is one thing that I know. He gave you a sister because it was best for you. He wants you to, to have sister because it's better for you or best for you at this moment. A lot of times we ask God for something, but answers might not come as what we wanted. He might answer us a different way. Just like when my children ask me something, I don't just give, give them exactly what they want all the time. I always look for what they need first. Right? And I want to give them what they need, not what, just what they want. And a lot, a lot of times my children, as a young child, um, especially my second one, she asks like, like ridiculous things. Like all of a sudden, can we go outside and in the middle of the night? Let's just go play. Let's just, let's just do something. It's, it's nighttime. It's cold. But she asks kind of things that you, can, you, don't want, you can't really answer according to what she wants. But as a parents, we do that. How much then, God? Just because you did not get the answer right away, faith does not quit right away. You need to continue to pray. Faith is not just emotion. Faith is not just sudden burst of passion. But faith is, in a way, expressed in patience. It is not for here and now, but it is con consistent. Believing and trusting the Lord. But we are so prone to quit on faith because of lack of patience. We don't want to wait. As you, we are racing in this journey of faith, please remember three things about faith. First, we must finish strong because faith is expressed through in patience. Expressed through patience. Always in the scripture, faith and patience comes together. Just like we read today's passage, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who, through faith and what? Patience. Inherit what has been promised. I'll give you Bible examples. How long Abraham waited for his legitimate son, Isaac, to come. I mean, he was 100 years old. Right? He was old. What about Noah? He spent more than 120 years to build the ark. The promise of God was, I will judge the world that you better do this. Remember, Faith and patience always come together. Secondly, second thing about faith, faith is not reactive but proactive. It's proactive. It is not dependent upon the urgency of the situation. Just because things get tough, things get difficult, things get messed up, we don't quit on the promise of God. We don't react to the things around us. Faith doesn't do that. We have to proactively believe and let faith govern our lives. Just because it seems time's running out, we just don't give up. 
We don't just quit and leave unfinished projects of faith in your life. We need to press on, continue to believe and trust and actively waiting with patience for God to show up. That's faith. Amen? Third thing, we must finish strong because faith does not tolerate loose end. In faith, there is no 99.9% completion. We need to complete in 100%. You know why? Because God is perfectionist. He wants, to, wants us to finish 100% well. Why? Because He will surely finish His work in us and for us in 100%. Right? When God says, I shall save you, I shall sustain you, I shall give you the plan that prosper you and bless you. Do you believe that no matter what? Until the very end. When God says, I shall be with you no matter what, do you truly believe when you lost your job, when you are having difficult problems with your family members in your relationship? Do you truly believe that God shall provide you with a godly spouse who will love you, who will be faithful to you, and who will be partner to you to raise a godly family? Do you truly believe that? Or do you want to just start quit waiting on God and looking for a spouse in your own way? I married in at the age of 33, 32, 33. And a lot of people, they thought I was late in terms of getting married, and probably because some of my friends were already married and had kids. And I have to wait for a long time in, in the eyes of people. But I prayed, and I remember uh, my parents, my grandparents praying for my wife, we didn't know this would be my wife, but they were praying for me, for my wife, ever since when I was born. And my wife was the answer prayer for me. After 33 years later, now you tell me, does my parents, do my parents or do my grandparents don't have faith? Do have faith? They surely do. They've been waiting for the 33 years to see. As a matter of fact, my grandparents didn't see me getting married. Just think of that. But we need to finish strong at the end and wait. Some people usually say this word, this is good enough. I tried, I trusted, I, I, will, I will just wait, I waited long. This is good enough. It's time for me to do something about it. It's time for me to just live my life. I tried. I think this is good enough. Even in terms of faith. Oh, I try. I'm, I'm, I think up to this moment, I've been faithful to God. And I think this is okay. Maybe this is good enough. And He will let me do other things now. I've been praying and waiting. I guess this is it. I guess I will have to settle for this. It's kind of giving up in terms of choosing a your long lifetime spouse and partner 
Some people just give up. And I've been seeing some people getting married to some non-believers because they couldn't believe that there would be a good Christian man and woman out there for them. And they said, this is good enough. I've been waiting enough. And he's good enough for me. She's good enough for me. And I'll tell you, the, the consequences are very, very severe. I've been seeing some broken marriages and also struggling marriages because they married unbelieving men or women, unbelieving spouse. My brothers and sisters, faith says good enough is not good enough. Amen? It's not good enough. God wants best, God wants best for us. We should surely wait for that to, to receive that. Amen? Turn to the person next to you and say, wait for God. See, our faith should start strong, last long, and we must finish strong. Listen to what Paul says. This was Paul's attitude about faith. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 24 through 27. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in a such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the game goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will, that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body to make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. What does that mean? Then you might say, what was the attitude of Paul? Let me rephrase it in my own word. I'm rephrasing it. Uh, I fight to win. I'm not just shadow boxing or playing around. Like an athlete, I punish my body, treating it roughly, training it to do what it should, nor what it wants, no, not what it wants to. Otherwise, I fear that after enlisting others for the race, I myself might be declared unfit in order to stand aside. Paul was concerned about finishing strong. He said, we need to beat our body. We need to fight. We need to train ourselves so that we can finish and get the prize. What's the point of running the race? To get the prize. We just don't run for the sake of running. Maybe some do. But I don't. You need to have a, some kind of purpose. You cannot just be a Forrest Gump running around. I'm not sure you guys know the character Forrest Gump. The guy who just wants to run. And in the movie, by the way. But we run with a certain kind of purpose. There's a finish line. There's a prize that I want to get. Therefore, I'm running today. Why do you live your life today? Is it aimlessly, oh, because I just wake up in the morning, thus I'm just going to go on? Or is it, I'm going to make it something, make it to somewhere? Right? Very important. 
even the secular successful people have some kind of purpose in their lives and goals in their lives. And you study any CEOs of successful companies, they are very goal-oriented people. How much more as we want to finish our race of our faith, how much more we should have clear purpose and goal. Paul says, therefore, I beat my body. Why? I want to finish strong. I want to get the prize. The good start isn't enough in the eyes of God. A good start and past victories do not make up for lousy finish. If Solomon could not coast in on the waves of his good start, we dare not think that we can either. Just because you did something great before does not mean your finish line will be glorious. Unless you work, unless you train yourself, unless you finish it. Amen. Amen. The question now then, more specifically, how do we finish strong in this last stretch of the year by faith? I know we have 25 days. Some people say, oh, only 25 days? It's too late. You should have been giving us this sermon maybe three, three months ago or the last quarter. No, 25 days is not long. Things can happen. We can be changed and transformed in 25 days by God's grace, by God's power. Amen? God can turn things around in your life. We know it. 25 days is not a short day. If you really have the godly perspective. First, three things that we should do to fin help us to finish strong. First, keep remembering the promise of God. Remember the Solomon's problem. Remember a lot of us, our problem is that what? we forget what? The promise of God. Don't you ever forget why we are doing what we are doing in this place? Why are you here, sitting here to worship the Lord our God? What's the purpose of worship? What's the purpose of you being here? We want to worship God in and through our lives. We want to be with God. We want to be used by God. We want to know God. We want to love God because He first loved us. We want to build a relationship with God. And that Heavenly Father gives us the promise. What's the promise of God? Maybe personally you have received some kind of promise in your life perhaps, but let me give you not just general one, I should say, but the most powerful promise of all. I should say the summary of all. Summary of all the promises of God for us of all. You know what that is? That God will be with us no matter what happens to your life. The very presence of God is with you. Then what we are going to do in our future career is a secondary don't you think? If He is with me, no matter what I do in the future, it's going to be all right. If He approves me, 
It's okay to change your career any time of day. You know, our senior pastor who cannot pull us, he's not here today because of the COVID situation. Just please understand he's 70 plus years old and he, he, needs, he needs to be careful. But if you, I'm not sure you heard his testimony, but he was very successful man in corporate world in Korea. But at the age of 40, God called him. He, in a way, in the eyes of the world, he changed a career. He gave everything away and he just came and became a minister. But it didn't matter because he understood the promise of God, especially the promise of the presence of God with him. It does not matter, my brothers and sisters, what we are going to do in the future. A lot of times we are so caught up with our career. Don't get me wrong, career is a very important. It's going to make your life, big portion of your life, um, make up of your big portion of your life. It's very important. It's, you know, that's why we are here to get, educate ourselves and we study and we prepare for our careers. And you should choose something that, that you like to do and you desire to participate in. But at the end, you need to also ask this, what does God wants me to do? Why, at the end, if God is with you, leading you, and if you truly believe that promise, it does not really matter what you are going to do in the future specifically. Don't get me wrong. We should work hard for specific things. Though. Yes, but ultimately, we have this assurance, right? If God is with you, leading you, and taking care of you, Trust that he's with you and study hard and look for something that God, you think that, look for something that you desire to do in your career, but ask God and ask God to help you to choose right. We are living in the promise of God, promise of presence of God, promise of protection. God, promise of restoration. What kind of life and what kind of past that you have, God will restore you. As a matter of fact, He already begun His work of restoration in your life as you became a believer of Jesus Christ. Amen. I have seen so many people who had horrible past. Traumatic past, but the by God's grace, how He turned the lives of people around, and still the Lord is healing you, still Lord is leading you, still Lord is restoring you. Amen. And one of the favorite passage, the word that I dearly hold on to is God will restore our lost ears. Amen. That promise, my brothers and sisters, God's promise, should preserve our lives. No wonder Psalm 119 verse 50 says what? Your promise preserves my life, the psalmist said. God's promise must preserve our purpose. God's word must preserve our perception. God's word must preserve our plan. 
Remember the promise of God in your life. If you are a believer of Jesus Christ, the Lord is with you. He has a plan for you. And those convictions that you have received personally, the promise that God has made upon your life, even through prophetically, hold on to it. Don't give up. Keep remembering the promise. Second thing that we should do is keep believing in the power of God. Not only keep remembering the promise of God, but we need to keep believing in the promise of God. Believe in the promise of I mean, I'm not sorry. Keep believing in the power of God. Apologize. Do you believe in the power of God? Do you believe that He has saved you? He is sustaining you. He is supplying us the things that we need. He is protecting us. Do you really believe the power of God can make difference in your life? Or is it some kind of psychological clutch, like some of the people say the religion is? Do you actually experience God's power being exerted in your life? The first thing that you know about that God's power in your life is that the fact that you have received the salvation through Jesus Christ, that you are able to believe that Jesus is a son of God, and you know it, and I know it, and we are so sure of it that we can die for it. And you look back into, you, you examine your past, your life until now through the eyes of faith, not the, through the eyes of conventional wisdom. Look into your life with your faith. Through faith. See how God has rescued you, provided you the moment that you need it. Even the bad things happened to you in the past, but who was there to rescue you? Who was there to provide you with the things? A lot of us, most of us here sitting here, I think almost all of us, we do. God has been so graciously providing the things that we need. We are not a millionaire, I'm sure. We are not rich like others. But God has amply supplied the things that we need to get here today. All of us are college educated. All of us, we have decent jobs. I mean, some of you might have lost your jobs by right now, but... I'm sure God will provide you more in the future. We can go on. We have ability to, to work. What about your parents? What about your family? What about your church? I mean, think of the things that God has been so much providing in your life. Do you think that we made it here till now by our own power? Oh, I'm so smart that I went to the best school in the world, the University of Illinois, Urbana-Champaign. I used to joke about that all the time. Really? God's been so faithful to all of us. Do you believe that He can rescue you? Do you believe that He can rescue your unbelieving family members? Do you believe that you, He can really make changes in your life, in someone's life. You know why do we don't evangelize as much? Is that perhaps, do you really believe that God can change that person's life? Just think about how God changed you 
It is a miracle that you are sitting here today. Amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are a miracle of God. You are a work of God. Even if you are parents, I'm sorry, if you're not, you will understand when you have your own children. Man, I remember when they were born, the mystery of life. It's like looking at their eyes. And I even now, my second one sleeps right next to me still. She doesn't want to live sleep in her bed a lot of times. And I look at her. I enjoy looking at her at nighttime just right next to me and just looking at her sleeping. And I wonder, wow. And she's growing up too fast. But it's God's grace that I have my children as my own. That kind of gives you that moment of Thanksgiving. I don't know, that, that happiness, right? I'm laying down next to my kid and my wife, and we feel that happiness. I'm so happy they're my child. God's been so gracious to us. But we're, if we are f- confused right now because of the, all the heartaches and difficulties and chaos or crisis that we are facing, well, listen to James chapter 1, verse 6 through 7. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Don't expect God to answer your prayer if you do not believe in the power of God. I said it. Don't expect for him to, don't you dare to expect him to answer your prayer without activating your own faith. When you pray, do you really believe that he will answer your prayer? Don't be disappointed when God answers you in a different timeline. Don't be frustrated and upset or disappointed if the answer doesn't come in the way that you want it to come. But pray faithfully, believing that he will answer your prayers. Trust me. At the end, when you look back in retrospect, you will understand why and how God answered you in such a way. I thank God that God did not answer my petty prayers of some ladies back in my college years that I liked. Oh, Lord, maybe. Don't get me wrong, I did not date them. Lord, maybe that will be the one. Thank God he did not answer their prayers that I would never marry my wife. A lot of times we foolishly pray for things that <laughs> is not right for us. A lot of times. No wonder he doesn't answer those prayers. Why? He's interested in giving you the what's need, what your need and what's best for you, not what you want per se. Amen. But don't give up. You don't doubt. The power of God. Expect the power of God to be revealed in and through your life. And inherit the promise of God. Believe it. So, I know we are praying for our nation. I don't know about you. I pray that God will answer 
our prayers according to His will in His right time for His glory. I might not like the way that things are going to go or the direction of our country. Hey, I know at the end His will be done. Thus, I'm going to start faithfully praying for our nation. I'm going to pray for the president. I'm going to pray for Congress. I'm going to pray for my leaders, whether we like or agree or not with whoever. We have a series. I already told you this series of the different presidents in, our, in my lifetime. I've been praying for them, every single one of them, with the same intensity, especially those, one, those ones uh, that I did not really agree politically. I was told to pray even harder for them. Why? That's who we are. But when I was praying, I was praying depending upon the power of God. He will answer our prayers according to His will and His purpose. Expect the power of God to be revealed in and through your life, through prayers. Amen. And continue to pray. Seek God. Ask God. And He will answer you. You want to finish strong this year? Ask God, Lord, I want to finish this year strong. I want to become a man that you want me to be. I want to be in the level of my faith, I'm level of maturity. At the end of the 2012, the December 23rd, December 31st, I want to grow as much as I can in my character, in my intellect, in intellectuality, in my spirituality. I want to be better man and woman of God. And you pray. 25 more days to go. By the way, we'll, we'll launch 21 day of prayer uh, starting December 11th. We usually do 40 days or 21 days, right? The 21 days prayer is modeled after Daniel's prayer. And we're going to start that in the, this coming Friday. So join us. But this is for the whole church. So we'll pray together. And if you can share the prayer request to me, and I'll pray with you and pray for you. Why? Because we believe in the power of God. Thirdly, if you want to finish strong, keep pursuing the plan of God. Keep pursuing the plan of God. How do we know that we are in the plan or will of God? Well, look at Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then what? You'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good and pleasing and perfect will. God gave us freedom to operate my brothers and sisters we are not the robotic being that we're gonna god's gonna give you the list and the task you must to do this no matter what and this is what it is no god gives you the boundary for you to be in right and he gives you freedom to choose in your life that's the beauty of god he's a parent i cannot make my children to be certain people certain ladies i can't right i will raise them in a way that they can think for themselves and they can choose for themselves and they will become the woman that the God wants them to be. That's my prayer. That's the job. And that's parents too. God is our parents in a way. He's our Heavenly Father. But if you want to know His will, what He wants, 
Well, renew your mind with the Word of God so that you will know what He wants. That is why we read the Scripture, so that we will know the mind of Christ. Do you understand? So that with the mind of Christ in our mind, we will be able to discern as God discerns. We'll think like God, basically. We'll eat like God. We'll think like God. We're not going to eat like God, boy. You know what I mean. More you spend time together with God in word and prayer, guess what? You will, be, you will have the mind of Christ and you will know the will of God in, certain, in your life. When you are facing the crossroads that you need to make some kind of decisions, if you have a mind of Christ, you'll be able to choose the right path. Amen. Right? In a way, God doesn't choose it for you. He wants you to choose it for yourself, but He wants you to understand what He wants. That's amazing. But that's what we do, isn't it? But we must stop trying to seek the world's counsel or the conventional wisdom, but start seeking God's wisdom through His Word. Whether you are choosing and making decisions and making choices in your life with the mind of the world, by the way, if you are educated in this world, we are start to think like the world, right? Do you think that it's your really completely freedom from all the culture? No, there's a cultural impact in your life, cultural influence, educational influence in your life, people to choose certain things. By the way, they implement that in any political system, anything. That's why, why do you think the advertisement is there? We keep advertising something so that people will think that we want the mind of people. Right? Growing up, I was always watching. I was drinking Coke. Coke is much, Coke is the soda for me. Well, I know that some of us, we argue about this. But the Pepsi kind of came in with a huge advertisement back in the 90s. And they've been using all the celebrities and all kind of crazy people, I mean, things, popular people, and people start to drink Pepsi more. And that's how they were able to invade the market. And now we have to argue with some people, either Coke or Pepsi. What happened? That's what happens. When you have the mind of people, then people will, most likely, you will influence in their choice. So are you going to seek the conventional wisdom, the worldly wisdom, and influence by it to choose our lives? Or are we going to continue to seek the Word of God so we renew our minds so they will be able to know the will of God in your life and choose right? Amen? No wonder he said, do not confirm to the pattern of this world. We cannot seek counsel or set up someone as our role model just because someone seems to be successful in this world. Perhaps out of desperation, we are looking to imitate non-believing peers and people being successful in your career, in their career, thinking that you have to follow their ways. Really? Surely we can learn diligence and hard-working attitude and some of the goal-oriented mindset. I really be, I, that's why I studied 
and I'm still studying the people and I look at some of the big men, big CEOs. There was one of the things that I used to do back in the days when I was building, building up my leadership skills. And surely we can study that. We should study that and we can learn from some of them. Man. But remember, the, their motivation is totally different from yours and mine. We are in a totally different system. You know, the Bible calls it Babylonian system. Bible Bible calls it godly system, system of Zion versus system of Jerusalem. I'm sure. I mean, system of Babylonian. You probably heard this before, some of you. Just talking about the worldly wisdom versus God's wisdom. Our motivation is different. Our perception is different. Our lifestyle is different. And are we going to listen to? Someone outside of our faith in terms of as a life role models? If you're really looking forward to some kind of role model, okay, we all have Jesus, obviously, right? Jesus is our ultimate role model. We should be like Christ. That's what we are here to do. That's what Christians are for. Just read the Bible. There are a lot of role models that you can, you can choose. Ask God... If you lack wisdom, James 5, 1, 5 says, even as Christians, because of poor decision and laziness, we reap the delay of success. And out of desperation and regret, we think we have to follow the world counsel. It's not going to work for you. I'll say, you are not made for the world. Seek God and His wisdom. We have to follow His wisdom. Ask God for wisdom if you need it. Therefore, especially when you are about to make some kind of decisions, I always ask you to seek God's wisdom. Seek the word. Seek God. And then if you always, daily, always you are trained to do, how easy for you to do so. You will know exactly what is right, what is wrong instantly when you are facing things if you are saturated yourself in the word of God. You know those who struggle? right or not is those who does not really know the word right if you are so sure of your identity who you are right I'm sure I'm Kim no matter what I act like one I eat like one and I look like one but imagine if I was Adapted to when I was really young. Imagine that. I will not know who Kim is, what Kim family is. I'll be a totally different person. Though my DNA is a Kim family. Likewise, as Christians, a lot of times we do have spiritual DNA of Christ. Yet you try to fit into the, to the world and act like someone who are not who you are not, you will have a problem. Ask God for wisdom. He will teach you. And how do we keep pursuing the plan of God? Keep the relationship with Christ. Focus on the building the relationship. Set your priorities straight. More than anything else, is your passion for God greater than your life? 
Are you willing to trust and obey? I have more, but I'll try to wrap it up here. How do we finish this year? How are we going to finish this year, my brothers and sisters? Let us keep remembering the promise of God. Keep believing in the power of God and keep pursuing the plan of God. And at the end, we'll make it to the end. Amen? You know, Olympics, by the way, we're supposed to have Olympics 2020, right? This year. But because of the COVID situation, it didn't happen. Uh, they, they said they postponed it. We don't exactly know when it's going to happen. But if you go back to the original Olympics, the Greek had a race in their Olympic Games that was very uh, uh, unique. The winner was not the runner who finished first. It was the runner who finished with his torch still lit. That was the idea of marathon. You have to be lit. I want to run all the way with the flame of my torch still lit for Christ. Something for us to think about and pray for. Amen. Let us finish strong with our torch still lit for Christ until the end. Let's pray. Ask the Lord. Lord, I want to finish strong this year. I want to finish this year strong with my torch still lit. I want to be passionate for you. I want to seek you. I want to love you more. And I want to grow and become man and woman that you want us to be. Who will glorify your name and worship your name. Go back to the resolution and conviction, commitment that you have made this year. It's okay you have failed so far. Ask God for forgiveness. Do it again. You have 25 more days to go. You want to grow? Ask the Lord. Lord, I want to grow even more in this remaining time of year. If we finish this year with our torch lit, still lit, imagine 2021 as we begin New Year. Let's pray.